0: When someone comes up to you and tells you, I've got good news and I've got bad news. What do you normally want to hear first? How many bad? How many want to hear the bad news first? It's a lot of us. Good news? Oh, y'all are just collecting for punishment. But a lot of us, I, I want to hear the bad news first. And I thought it would be the majority, not all of us. And uh, the reason why I think that's the case is because we're hoping that the good news that follows the bad will be better, aren't we? We're hoping somehow that good news will sort of cancel out the bad. But that doesn't always happen, does it? Let me give you a few examples. What if someone were to come up to you and say, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The bad news is, Last night, while you were out of town during that terrible storm, a tree came down and crushed your brand new car. But the good news is, you finally got that ugly looking tree out of your front yard. Wouldn't really cancel it out, would it? How about this? The bad news is, you're fired. The good news is, you finally have time to go visit friends and family. Not really great news, is it, under the circumstances? How about this? And you can tell I didn't have any fun at all thinking these up. The bad news is that guy you really don't like is dating your daughter. The good news is she has a date to the prom. Not doesn't really cancel it out, does it? So sometimes... The bad news, the good news doesn't cancel out the bad, but sometimes it does. We are uh, continuing our sermon series this morning through the book of Ecclesiastes in a sermon series I've entitled, Lessons Learned Under the Sun. And uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and unfortunately Solomon has some more bad news for us. He's kind of doing this. He is leading off with the bad news. But even though that's the case, we talked about last week that Solomon in this book addresses issues and raises questions that the rest of the Bible was written to answer. So there's good news, isn't there? Although life like Solomon talks about in chapter 1 seems to be this, this repetitive and aimless practice, there is in fact meaning and purpose in this life. So what we're going to talk about this morning is how to make sense of a senseless world. But before we do, Solomon's got some bad news for us. So let's start with the bad news. Number one, nothing changes in life under the sun. Nothing changes in life under the sun. Look at verses 4 through seven of Ecclesiastes chapter one. Solomon says, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind. And on its circuits, the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. Like we said last week, Solomon's made the point in verses 2 and 3 that this life is hevel. Remember that Hebrew word hevel? It means life is fleeting, it's futile, It's aimless, and it's ultimately meaningless under the sun. This is a horizontal view that that Solomon is giving us. Life without God. And now, in case you weren't convinced, Solomon is going to illustrate that for us. And he begins by saying, generations go and generations come. Now many of us, not even knowing this, we witness this every day when we open our paper. Because on one page, you have the birth announcements, and on the next section, you have the obituaries. We're reminded of this all the time. The Academy Awards are coming up, I believe, or they've already happened, but uh, they're coming up. And, uh, oh, they already happened. Okay. Well, you got to forgive me because we're kind of out, and we haven't had cable in a while, so... So if I mention a, a news event that happened a couple of months ago, you'll have to forgive me. We're behind. But uh, each year, you'll notice in that program that they, they normally show a, uh, they have a time remembering those who have passed away in the previous year. And they normally show a slideshow and they show actors and directors and producers, anybody involved in the movies. They, they show their picture. They have this sad music that's playing, and people applaud. Some cry. And then that slide shows over, and what happens? The lights come back up. People continue to to drink their champagne and have conversation with one another. Life goes on, doesn't it? They continue to hand out awards. That's what Solomon's getting at here. That's the point he's making. Generations come and generations go, but the earth, the things of the earth, they remain the same. People are born, and people people die, but the sun continues to rise, the wind continues to blow, the streams continue to flow day after day, and nothing ultimately changes. That's Solomon's point. Singer-songwriter John Mayer wrote a popular song called Waiting for the World to Change. I've got bad news for him, because according to Solomon, he's going to be waiting a while. Because the world is not changing. The earth remains. The day follows the night. The night follows the day. The wind continues to blow. The streams continue to flow. Generations come and generations go. And nothing ultimately changes. Now with every generation, you get some enthusiastic optimists who rise up and say, we're going to change The world we're going to make a difference we're going to change everything and make this world a better place and guess what now i gotta warn you it's like i told you last week sometimes the scriptures just give us the cold hard facts of life not every verse of scripture reads like those calendars you have hanging on your wall with sunsets does it sometimes it gives us the cold hard facts and solomon says here sooner or later you're going to die And guess what? The trees are still going to be here. The rivers will still be here. The mountains will still be here. And nothing ultimately changes. I said last week that life is like an elliptical machine or a recumbent bike. Generations, they they come out of the womb and they jump on this recumbent bike or this elliptical machine and they're just pedaling like mad going to town. And eventually they die and they fall off and the next generation jumps on and says, the reason you guys didn't get anywhere is because you didn't pedal hard enough. So we're going to pedal twice as hard. You know what Solomon says? Give it a good run. But know that we've been there before. And trust me when I tell you I have pedaled harder than all of you. And trust me when I say you're not going to get anywhere. Listen, we can pedal as hard as we want on this elliptical machine we call life. But Solomon says there is no progress under the sun. Don't mistake movement for progress. Many of us do that. Remember I told you last week, I would get on that elliptical machine and I would be pouring sweat, having not moved an inch forward or an inch backwards. And that's what life is like at times. Solomon says, though we're peddling like mad, we're not getting anywhere because life under the sun does not change. It's monotonous, it's laborious, and it's ultimately aimless. There's some more bad news. But You're like, great. <laughs> I'm going to get this out of the way, right? Number two. There is no satisfaction under the sun. No satisfaction under the sun. Listen to what Solomon says in verse 8. All things are full of weariness. Not some things. All things. All of creation. All of our experiences in life ultimately are empty and lack fulfillment. They don't bring satisfaction. Listen to what he goes on to say. He says a man cannot even utter it. He says at times, life is so disappointing that we don't even want to talk about it. You ever had that experience? You do something and you think you're just going to have the best time. And it turns out just to be miserable. And you know, your friends come up to you, you know, and you're excited about doing whatever you're going to do. Well, how was it? Tell me about it. And you say, it was so bad, I can't even talk about it. Ever have that experience? Solomon says life can be like that at times. It can be so difficult, we don't even want to utter it. Man cannot even utter it. Man doesn't even want to talk about it. Because it's so disappointing. Life under the sun at times lacks satisfaction to such an extent we don't even want to make mention of it or talk about it. He says... The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. In this verse, Solomon is focusing on seeing and hearing. Let me ask you this. How many of you in here love watching a good movie? All of us, right? Listening to good music, reading a good book, going on a fun-filled vacation. We all enjoy those things, don't we? Now let me ask you this. How many of you have ever seen a movie and after watching it, you said, That movie was so good and so satisfying that I'm not going to watch another movie for the rest of my life? Or you heard a song and you said, That song was so good that I am done with music. I am cleaning out my iPod because I am satisfied with that song. That song has filled me up for a lifetime. How many of you have ever gone on a fun-filled vacation and said, that vacation was so enjoyable and so satisfying, I am not taking any more vacation days ever again. That's ridiculous, isn't it? That's what Solomon's getting at. We are not satisfied. Those things don't satisfy us. My parents, each year, they go to Maine in the fall and they stay there for about 10 to 12 days, and they love it. They have a great time. It's just beautiful there. They, they just enjoy it. But you know what happens shortly after they get home? They begin planning for the next trip. Because it doesn't satisfy. We can't just have one Rocky movie, can we? Even though it was a great one. We got six of them. We can't be satisfied with just one song. That's why iTunes is thriving. And young people have maxed out their iPods with songs. Because they don't satisfy. Like Brett brought up earlier, and I'm bringing him up again. Mick Jagger's song, I can't get no satisfaction. Though I try, and I try, and I try, and I try. There is good theology in that song, isn't there? He would have never thought that'd be the case, but there is. (laughs) That adequately describes life under the sun. You can't get satisfaction in this life. You know why? Because the more you get, the more you want. Remember the John D. Rockefeller quote I share with you? When he was asked how much money is enough, he said just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. There is this restlessness in each and every one of us and nothing ultimately satisfies. Solomon is right on here. There is no satisfaction under the sun. How about some more bad news? There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Look at what Solomon says in verses 9 and 10. What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. There is nothing which it is said, see, this is new. He says, no. It has already been in the ages before us. If nothing ever changes, like he made, like he made the point in, uh, verse, uh, in the first part of uh, verse 4, If nothing ever changes, then it's reasonable for us to conclude that there's nothing new, isn't there? And people in Solomon's day probably understood this better than people in our day. Some people would read this verse today and say, Okay, Solomon has finally showed his ignorance. Because how can anybody who watched Neil Armstrong walk on the moon say, There's nothing new under the sun. That's what we do. We we look and we say, look, we put a person on the moon. See? new. This is where context comes in. Solomon here is writing about the basic principles in life, not the methods behind those principles. It's been said before that methods are many, principles are few. Methods always change, principles never do. And that's true. Solomon is talking about These basic principles in life. So so those who uh, try to argue with Solomon and say that he's wrong because in his day they didn't have internet and email and Facebook miss the point of what Solomon's saying here. If Solomon could defend himself, he would probably say, Man has always tried to come up with new ways to accomplish the same old things. That's his point. Today we have technology that enables us to do things ten times, if not more, fast than we did ten years ago. That's true. But listen to this. The desire to be more efficient as one labors under the sun has, has been a desire of ours ever since there was work to be done. Just new ways to accomplish the same old things. Man's just trying to reinvent the wheel. Thinking they're going to bring some new improvement to life under the sun. Like Solomon's saying. They say, see? New. Solomon says, no. It's already been. In other words, you think you're bringing something new to the table and uh, it's already been thought about and it's already been done. And it will continue to be thought about and continue to be done. Those of you on Facebook, do you think Facebook's going to be exactly the way it is right now, 10 years from now? No. It's constantly changing already, isn't it? But is it going to be a completely different idea? I don't think so. Just a new way to accomplish the same thing. A recycling of ideas. When I was in college, we had this uh, vintage store where you could go. You could buy just about anything used, and I would go in there because it was a cheap place to buy clothes, and I'd buy jeans and used T-shirts and stuff like that. But some people would go in to uh, to buy furniture because because it was something unique and fashionable, and that's what we do. We just recycle old stuff. Nothing new. Under the sun. Number four. Let me warn you, this is really sad, but true. There is no remembrance of you under the sun. Talk about depressing. There is no remembrance of you and me under the sun. Look at verse 11. There is no remembrance of former things nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. There are people in our world today trying their hardest to leave their mark on history. People who are trying to make a lasting impact and leave a lasting legacy. And you know what Solomon says? More than likely, this is not going to happen. You mean I'm not going to be remembered? For what I've done? Nobody's going to remember the life that I lived? Let me ask you this. How many of you know the name of your great-great-grandfather? Raise your hand if you know the name of your great-great-grandfather. A few of you in here do. Some don't. I don't. Let me ask you this. Though you know his name, do you know his dreams? Do you know his goals? Do you know his accomplishments? I went home the night after reading this verse and studying this verse, and man, it, 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 it stirred me up inside. Because I went home and I looked at my, my daughters and I thought, you know what, their kids' kids are going to know me. I mean, their, their kids will know me. Their kids' kids may meet me a few times, they may know me by name, but a few generations from that, a generation from that, they may not even know my name or anything about me. That's humbling, isn't it? Boy, that's humbling. Because the truth is, one generation comes and, and the next enters in. And there will come a time when we'll just be far removed from the minds of of people here on earth. And know that I'm not trying to make light of these things. I'm not. I'm not. They're humbling, aren't they? I'm just trying to to really get you to understand the mindset of Solomon and his point here. Here's the sad truth. One day, you and I were going to die. And after that, they're going to have a service, and and people are going to take off work to attend. And they'll come, and they'll remember our lives, and they'll shed tears, and they'll spend time with your family, and they'll go eat a potluck, and then they'll return to their jobs and to their lives, and life is just going to go on. And then there will come a time when you will be far removed from their mind. That's just the cold, hard facts of life. Let me share with you something even more depressing than that. Sorry. I'm really the downer today. I know, I know. Solomon's giving me a rough time here. One day, you and I, were going to die. And the majority of people on this planet, in this country... In this state, and some even in this city will never even know we existed to begin with. Don't believe me? How many of y'all know the names of everyone listed in the obituaries this past week? I mean, people have passed away in the past week that we never even knew existed. This is Solomon's mentality here. This is his point. And there is more truth to that than we want to admit, isn't there? As important as our lives appear, they are fleeting. We will not ultimately be remembered the way we think we will. How many of you know the name James Naismith? Raise your hand if you know this name. James Naismith. Okay. A few of us in here. How many know what he is known for? Tim, tell me. Basketball. Basketball. That's right. He invented basketball. Now let me ask you this, those of y'all who knew who he was. How many of you, when you watch basketball being played day after day, think about James Naismith? You watch basketball and you're like, boy, that James Naismith. That guy, he knew how to create a sport, didn't he? We don't, do we? He only died in 1939. He invented one of the most watched and popular sports in our world, and we don't ever think about him when we watch it day after day. He has already forgotten. If that's true of him, how much more so is it true of us? Are you depressed yet? Let's move on. Last point. Number five nothing is understood under the sun. Under the sun, nothing is understood. Solomon tells us in verse 12 I, the preacher, have been king over Israel. In Jerusalem, I have devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. Here Solomon, once again, he's just giving his credentials and reminding his readers that he has it all. He wants his readers to understand he is very qualified to say what he's about to say. As king of Israel, Solomon had all the resources necessary to figure out what makes life worth living. But despite all of his intelligence, despite how hard he worked to learn new facts and figures, to understand everything from philosophy to theology, from astronomy to physics, he says it amounted to nothing. After all that, here's what Solomon says. What an unhappy business that God has given us to be busy with. Because this world, it's a mess. Though Solomon had money and power and fame and wisdom and much, much more, he comes back and he says this in verse 14 Behold, all is hevel, it's vanity. It's a vapor, it's futile, aimless, meaningless, it's pointless. Listen to this, it's striving after the wind. How do you like that phrase? Striving after the wind. Let me, let me illustrate that phrase for you. I uh, used to tease my parents' dog with a laser pointer. And, uh, I know, it's mean. But I would put it on the carpet, and that dog would just go crazy trying to get the end of that laser pointer. And then I'd turn it off and it'd disappear. And she'd kind of look up, panting, you know, where'd it go? And then I'd put it down again and she'd, you know, chase it around. You know what? It didn't matter how hard she tried. She wasn't catching the end of that laser pointer, was she? And that's what Solomon's getting at. That's a great picture of what we're trying to do when when we try to find meaning and lasting satisfaction in this life only. It's like chasing after the reflection that comes from a laser pointer. It's striving after the wind. Somebody put it like this. It's like a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat that isn't there. That's what it is. That's what striving after the wind is. And just when you thought it couldn't get more frustrating, listen to what Solomon says in verse 15. What's crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be counted. Boy, this is frustrating to me because I'm a fix-it kind of guy. I want to fix it. Solomon says, we can't fix it. What's crooked cannot be made straight. We can't make things right on our own. Well, isn't there another angle? Isn't there another option? Isn't there another way of looking at it? No, look at what Solomon says in verse 16. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom. Surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. Solomon says, I've tried it all. I've tried it all. Everything you can think of, I've tried. I'm more powerful than you. I'm richer than you. I'm more famous than you. I'm much, much smarter than you. And I'm telling you, it's all meaningless. Some will say, but did he try this? What about this or this? He did. Look at verse 17. And I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too is chasing after the wind. That word madness in the Hebrew does not refer to a mental illness. It refers to foolishness. Or stupidity. This is what Solomon's saying. Not only did I try to find answers through knowledge, through becoming more educated, but I also sought to know more about the foolish and the evil and the wicked things to see if there's any value in that. And he said, In trying those things out, I came to the same conclusion. It's meaningless. It too is chasing after the wind. It's the same on both sides of the street. I've tried them both, neither made a difference. Look at how he concludes in verse 18. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases in knowledge increases in sorrow. Here, Solomon links wisdom with vexation and knowledge with sorrow. He's basically saying here, What I have discovered, what I have come to understand, did not make my life better. It made me more miserable. You've heard the phrase before, more money, more problems, right? Solomon says something similar here. He says, more wisdom, more grief, more knowledge, more sorrow. Now, this is contrary to the way many of us think, isn't it? There are some self-help guys out there that would disagree. in that this is their message, you know? I've come in, I've got this knowledge that you don't have, so I'm going to impart this knowledge to you, I'm going to give this knowledge to you, so that your life will improve. Through knowledge comes improvement. Solomon says the exact opposite. He says, through my experiences that I've learned in life, my life has not improved, but it's become more miserable. The more I know, the more I hurt. The more I understand, the more I suffer. And that's how he ends chapter 1. That's some pretty bad news, isn't it? Let's be honest. Here's what Solomon has learned under the sun. Nothing changes. There is no satisfaction. There is nothing new. We will not be remembered. And all the education and experience our world has to offer is without aim and purpose and leaves us in a state of grief and sorrow. That's bad news, isn't it? Let's be honest. But remember, I said at the beginning of the sermon, there's good news, isn't there? Some of you are thinking, I hope it's better than that. It is. It is. Get this. In the midst of a seemingly tragic set of circumstances, in the midst of a seemingly useless existence, who comes none other than God Himself. He who is above all and who has created all things enters into His world as one of us. And we're told in the Scriptures... And he is tempted in every way, but he doesn't give in to the lie. And he's without sin. Everything Solomon pursued, you know what? Jesus was tempted to pursue. But with wisdom much more superior to Solomon's, he resisted. It's what he says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 42. Listen to what Jesus says. Now one who is greater than Solomon is here. Wow. Wow. Here's the point. Solomon knew the problem, didn't he? But he couldn't fix it. Remember he says, what is crooked cannot be straightened. Solomon knew this world was filled with sin, but Solomon couldn't forgive sin. He knew that people were crooked, but he couldn't straighten them out. He knew our world was a mess, but he couldn't. He didn't have the resources To make this world a place that would be declared good by God. But Jesus did. Jesus came to right everything that Adam wronged. And to address the frustrations that Solomon voiced. He is greater than Solomon because he is God. And get this. Jesus didn't just come to inform us, did he? He came to transform us. He didn't come just to address all the issues that Solomon addressed. He came to provide a solution. He didn't come just to share in our sorrow and our grief and our suffering, but came to die for our sin and to rise and conquer it. Here's the truth. Life does have purpose. Life does have meaning. Life does have significance. But it does not come from where we think it comes from naturally. It doesn't come from being significant in this life. It doesn't come from being successful in this life. It doesn't come from being rich, from being smart, from being influential, from leaving your mark on this world. It comes from being forgiven being made right with God. If you're here this morning and you're looking to find lasting satisfaction in this life, I have sad news for you. You're not going to find it. According to God's word, you're not going to find it. But I do know a way that you can find lasting satisfaction in Him. But you know what it takes? Not trying to create this existence for yourself and a life for yourself. It involves losing your life. Let me explain what that means. Letting go of what you you want. Letting go of what you think is best. Letting go of what the world thinks is significant. That's what losing your life means. And it involves turning to Christ and giving your life to Him. If you've never trusted in Christ for your salvation, I invite you, I urge you to do that right now. Right now, where you you sit, you can do that. You can begin a life of purpose and a life of meaning and significance. Let's pray. Father, we praise you, God. For who you are and for all that you've done. Father, we thank you for the fact that you did not leave us alone in this life of difficulty. But you came to us. You sent your Son who emptied himself. You bankrupted heaven for us. You sent him here so that we might have true meaning and true purpose in this life. Father, forgive us for the ways that we have tried to to create meaning and significance without You. God, forgive us for that. Father, I pray for those who are here today, those who don't know You. I pray that You would reveal Yourself to them. I pray, God, that you would show them that, that it's, it's not about being prosperous or influential or successful in this life, to be rich and smart and to leave your, your mark here in this life. It's about being right with you. Father, I pray today would be the salvation, today would be the day of salvation for those people. Do a great work and we'll give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.